0: The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Columbia Academy, Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoyt with United Country Realty, the Law Office of David A. Bates, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Sports today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yao. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. I am Chris Yao, along with side Mo Patton and the illustrious potentate Coach Mike Lobb. As we come to you live from the Lee Company Studio right here in Columbia. Very excited to continue speaking with Joe Williams on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline because Joe is uh, heavily involved with the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. And with that, uh, he can hopefully answer a lot of questions that I I personally have uh, concerning the situation because I I am a proponent of Continuing racing in downtown Nashville. Now, there are a lot of people, Joe, uh, who live in that area who are not necessarily proponents of this, um, despite having not necessarily. <laughs> this that's one way to put it. Despite having um, you know purchased or rented homes next to a one hundred year old speedway. Is that the best way to put it? That's, well, I mean, yeah, I mean,
1: it's pretty normal. That's way. It's, yeah, it, it, it's pretty normal. You know, um, folks sometimes don't do their due, due diligence, and the area has grown. Uh, there are lots of tall and skinnies. It, mm-hmm. it is an area that ha- that just reeks of gentrification. Uh, of course, the term where you you take the folks who've lived there for years and. Uh, buy them out and get rid of them, basically, and you mm-hmm. bring in new folks who have more money. Uh, and, and there's a, there's a good portion of that. And I mean, even I think the the soccer stadium is the soccer folks have recognized that there's a stadium's going up. You know, their their new all exclusive club is is called the WeHo. The what?
0: Sure. WeHo. I mean that seems that's, mm. that's in that's in
1: honor of the wedgwood Houston district, which is which is right next
0: door. Oh, so it's like Sobro, but Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I don't think that yeah. works. I yeah, don't, I, I don't think that's to- working the way they intended. Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
2: I think I'd get away from that one, but well, there are So, what do we know? Here's
0: the here's the difference between soccer and, and racing is there are four corners in soccer, so I guess we hope might work.
1: Well, there, well yeah, four turns in, in racing. Let, let, let me let me give you just a real quick historical background. Okay, place the the, the track opened in nineteen oh four as a horse racing tour. Actually it opened in the eighteen nineties as a horse racing track, first car on that facility. It was in 1904. Um, it was a one-mile dirt track, actually. And in the old days, the state fair was held inside uh, the horse track. Now, in '58 or so, Bill Donahoe, Mark Parrish, a couple other folks, got a contract, cut a deal um, to do auto racing because they've been doing some some stock car racing there, and they wanted to make some changes. Part of that. I didn't. did find this out about a year ago, but part of the deal was Mr. Donahoe owned some land out in the middle of nowhere and uh, traded it and and sold it at a, a hugely reduced price, maybe giving it to him um, to create uh, a place for horses uh, in a section south of Nashville called Maryland Farms. Hmm. Go figure. That's why. Hmm. Yeah, that's why you sell the horse statues out there mm-hmm. uh, from. Fifty nine until eighty four, stock car racing was the thing, and and that facility, of course, the fairgrounds grew up around it. Um, you had cup races from I think fifty nine to eighty four, um, at which time it they left because the guy who held the lease with the fair board went broke, and we all know how it's kind of bounced up and down mm-hmm. since. Well, over the last several years, it's been a whole lot longer than folks realize, uh, there's been some behind-the-scenes works to bring this thing back to where it was. And the folks who own Bristol Motor Speedway, uh, Speedway, Motor, Speedway Motorsports out of Charlotte, uh, have, have made several uh, proposals. And the latest includes bringing this facility back I say back or upgrading the facility to where it should have been um, years ago, and getting it into a modern facility uh, at no cost to Metro. The beautiful part about this deal is it doesn't cost me anything. Uh, Much different but,
0: than the soccer stadium.
1: Yeah, uh, <clears> yeah. <throat> I mean, Sorry. Bristol's Bristol. Yeah, no, I get it. You know, Bristol's <laughs> on Bristol's on the hook uh, for the money. That's what I think. Folks don't sometimes fully understand. Um, and we, we they are in the process now of trying to finalize this thing. And part of it is several public hearings that uh, that have to go through. And, and last week, there was a public hearing. Uh, interestingly enough, let me back up a little bit on the history of this thing. Uh, former Mayor Carl Dean uh, was pretty well convinced. He did, God love him, he did everything he could to destroy the fairgrounds. Now, I don't think it was necessarily him. I think there were a couple other folks in the administration that had been working on it for a long time because I think they they stood to, uh, let me rephrase, they were very interested in redeveloping it into a, an industrial complex of a different type, commercial area. Um, but the people of Nashville, what was called the Red Army at the time, uh, got enough signatures, and they it was on a ballot initiative. Well,
0: naming groups naming groups is not on the uh the not very well done in Nashville, is it? No. No. <laughs> Sorry. No. Continue. I the know. Red Army.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it was the Red Church they wore. Um they actually, uh, by 71%, the people of Nashville voted that the fairground should stay and all of the uses that were then in place should remain, which were basically uh, the flea market, the racetrack, and the state fair. Uh, obviously, the state fair has fallen to the wayside. There were some uh, some maneuverings there. Uh, the soccer stadium was, was a brand new concept. And that construction basically killed any hope of having a reasonably sized state fair on that property. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, like I said, the charter now says that it has to stay. So Bristol's come in and said, okay, let's do some things. Uh, And the concerns of the neighbors, obviously, are traffic and noise. What I can't understand is... There's almost no restriction on the soccer stadium, and if you've never, if they're successful as they intend to be, and I hope they are, uh, if you've never heard thirty thousand bazouilas going off at once, <laughs> you don't know what noise is. Um, I've, I've been around about five, and within twenty minutes, you know, I'm 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 a I'm a very pacifist person, but I was ready to kill somebody. Um, if they know how to
0: use them, if yeah, you know how to use one. It can be ridiculous. We, we had a guy in our, in that arena football team in Birmingham. We had a guy in our fan club who knew how to use one and he got kicked out of a couple of, uh, visiting arenas because of it. They, Huntsville told him to quit blowing the air horn and he said, I don't have an air horn. He goes, we can hear the air horn. He said, I've got this and it's powered by my breath and yeah. and it sounds like an air horn. So just imagine thirty thousand air horns going off in one place because it ain't good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um but long story short, the neighbors' concerns obviously you know they, they they talk about noise. Well Bristol's already brought in experts. Uh they're talking about twenty to thirty foot uh noise barriers. And and part of it is it sits down in a hole so it'll contain itself pretty well anyway. Um in all honesty. Uh, They're talking about video boards, brand new grandstands, Mm -hmm. uh, updated everything, safer barriers on the walls to make it safer for the for the uh, for the drivers. They're talking about uh, including weekly racing in this. And when I say let me rephrase that used to be we talked about weekly racing because we raced every freaking week. Now we talk about local racing because they're limited to about six or eight or ten. You know, one thing the neighbors don't understand. There was a time back in the '60s and early '70s where they raced on Tuesday nights and Saturday nights. They race sixty dates a year. You know, and and, and Bristol's talking about doing ten or eleven. Let's you know, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about number of days that it you're could inconvenienced. Yeah,
0: yeah, it could be worse, and and it's not necessarily an. In, I mean, we're talking about weekends. Yeah. and being over by what ten o'clock? Well, that's the fun
1: part, yes. you know. They're, they're yeah, they're putting they're putting they're, they're demanding. So one, some have even demanded a nine o'clock curfew. Well, that's insane. Um, that's insane, <laughs> especially since there is no curfew on soccer. Uh, I wonder what happens if you get a couple of lightning delays and it's about one thirty in the morning and a nothing nothing game that's critical to the playoffs. Hmm. How those thirty thousand bazouillas are going to sound on Thursday night? <laughs> um, you know, it's you know me. I'm I'm trying to look at everything. Uh, it's a great opportunity for the city, the the revenue that it would generate for these new hotels that are going in downtown. Um, what it would do for. Um, Restaurants, service industries, lower bra, all these things that you know. And, and if you think Nashville's not a racing town, go talk to Jason Reddenberry, and Matt Cruz over at the Grand Prix. Um, you know, talk to the folks at the Super Speedway who who are bringing a Cup race back to Middle Tennessee for the first time since 1984 uh, next month.
0: We actually do need to talk to Matt Cruz. We do need to talk to in Matt in the, the next yeah. few days, in the next few weeks. So, thanks for reminding us. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, it, it, even, though, you know, even though I'm not going to work with those guys, apparently, but <laughs> it's still a good thing. Yeah. Uh, great people do, doing great things. I, I I am anxious to see the Grand Prix. I'm anxious to see the fencing they put over the bridge because the first thing I thought was, there's going to be somebody in the Cumberland. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's a reasonable thought,
2: it, you know. Yeah, because I, well, I, I kind of had that visual myself, so.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm just so, being a little bit f- facetious, but they—they they actually have. They, that's part of their plans. They have a way to keep those things mm-hmm. on the bridge, if something and, happens.
0: And they are building those at MTSU. Yeah, building the barriers prob- at MTSU with the yeah. concrete concrete
1: industry management yeah.
2: program over yeah.
1: there.
0: So, yes, I mean
1: they, they've got they got lots of folks involved.
0: There's always an but MTSU connection. Always, right? Always. Um, the- Joe. What's next? Right now, we know a formal plan will be presented sometime in June. Is that correct? Well,
1: I think at this point, the the, the next step is there, the Mayor Cooper of Nashville had already signed a letter of intent, we're going to do this. Uh, like I said, there's several hearings. It'll have to go to, uh, I think, the council one more time. I, I think the, the next step is is for Bristol to sit down and present the fair board with a draft contract that they can go through and, and make changes, negotiate over. Uh, I, I, from what I saw uh, last Tuesday night or the Tuesday night before, I don't know, the whole world's running together on me. Um, softball will do that. Uh, <laughs> but from, from what I saw, it, there's there are four sitting members of the fair board uh, I think one's really positive, two are favorable, and, and there's one that's just campaigning uh, for a future council seat and preying upon the fears of of folks uh, who just don't want this to happen. You know, the, the it, 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 there's so much misinformation, and, and it, there was one, I guess, one of the first, speakers against the racetrack. Her testimony or her, her comments went viral, literally on the internet, mm-hmm. when she made the comment that she couldn't understand why they needed this racetrack in the middle of town. There's no other city in the nation that has a racetrack in the middle of town. Oh, really? I, yeah, I, I think somebody actually sent her tickets to the Indianapolis 500. Um <laughs> I don't know if she got them or not, but somebody was going to send her some. But you know, her other comment and a, in a very to be classic, fair,
2: to be fair, I'm not sure that that's in the middle of town. I've driven well, past. Neither that. is the
1: fairgrounds
2: really, well,
1: and, and that's that, what they, they, I was. Yeah. <laughs> so it's in the middle of the neighborhood. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's it's right dead in the middle of about three big neighborhood.
2: Yeah, but I heard the when I heard the characterization of downtown Nashville, I was like, hmm,
1: really. I don't know. Well, it's, it's no different than than you know. You want to? I'm going to claim I live in downtown Franklin because it'll help the property values. Good plan. I'm way on the wrong. I'm way on the wrong side of railroad tracks for that baby. Well, it may help. Uh, it may help
2: the property values, but it doesn't help your property taxes. I saw your reaction to yours yesterday.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, but anyway, the, you know <laughs> her, her other comment that she didn't understand why they needed this thing when there were five other fully operating facilities. Hosting NASCAR and F1 events within 20 to 30 minutes of
0: Nashville. And we can't find any of them.
1: I, you know, I blew hmm. Google up yesterday. They called me and said, please quit asking the question. <laughs> you
0: know, <I laughs> mean, not, we can't find it. <laughs> I mean, Alexa cussed me. So. <laughs> can, can you please find any of these? <laughs>
1: yeah. You, you know, think. yeah. It, it's just there. You know, I mean, even. The closest thing would be the super speedway in Gladeville. And I mean, it's, it's 45 minutes to an hour.
2: And that's one.
1: Um, <laughs> and said, yeah, that's one for one week a year, uh, one weekend. So, I, you know, it's just, it, it, it's the typical uh, NIMBY kind of reaction. Uh, one of the things, and I'll be honest, i you, 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 you know, I'm highly supportive of this. And I think everybody who, who, who knows me knows I'm highly supportive of this. And, and I, I, I respect the concerns of the neighbors, and I think there's there's a tremendous amount of work that can be done uh, to whatever, as I said at the meeting, you know, this is about the future, and, and what the Fair Board has in front of them is a proposal that makes neither side completely happy. And I believe that's the definition of a compromise. There
2: you go.
1: Um but, you know, some of the misinformation and, and some of the folks who are in the middle of, you know, the ladies well, there's five tracks within 30 miles of Nashville. A little research and we find out that, uh, you know, she talks about it rattles her, her windows. Well, the fact of the matter is she's closer to uh, the railroad tracks and I-65 than she is to the racetrack. And, oh, by the way, you know, this is such a terrible thing, but she it was built in 2017. She bought it in 2019. So it, it's not like <laughs> she didn't know it was you there. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, it's like I, it's like I tell the folks around here before you buy in this neighborhood. No, I live on this corner. It's just
0: FYI. Yeah, yeah, and make your
1: decision appropriately.
0: You know? oh. <laughs> Joe, thank you for answering some questions. Because I I mean, I know that it's 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 been going on for years, and and we've talked about it on this show before. And and hopefully, uh, there will be a compromise that will end up with a a renovated facility that will look and feel like a major city racetrack should look and feel.
1: And mm-hmm. it's something that's not going to cost, you know, not going to cost uh,
0: taxpayers cost tax,
1: taxpayers any money. And and that's the other thing. One one of the big complaints. and here's Nashville. Here's the difference. Here's what's happened to Nashville as a city. You know, we talk about Nashville. It, it truly is not just Nashville because Nashville is Nashville, Davidson County. You got to mm-hmm. figure everybody. And one of the complaints was, well, did you hear all the speakers who who spoke for it? So many of them come from, um, you know, they they don't live here. Well. Take a trip to a Titans game, a Predators game, a soccer game, um, you, you okay, uh, a Vanderbilt football game, uh, a TSU football game. Go look at these events. and Go count car tax.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean that, that's that's the that's the key is that Metro Nashville is not just Davidson County, at and this that's point. the
2: beauty of it. Yeah. I mean, because that's yeah. what so many of these entities sell is their reach. So, I mean, you can't tout it when it's convenient and then discount it when it's not. I mean, it just comes with with the territory, I think.
1: You you will appreciate this one of the funniest comments that I heard on Tuesday night, and this is this is when I I decided I had to leave as soon as I, I wasn't going to speak. This is what made me. This is what made me actually get up and speak, and I said, Ben, when I when I say my piece, I'm leaving, but. There, there was a, a little group on the side, and between speakers, I made the comment, We just need to build a wall around Nashville. And I, this, this vision hit my head of, of all these folks in Nashville standing around screaming, Build that wall.
0: Jeez. <laughs> I just thought, <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone somewhere, y'all. You know? <laughs> Joe
2: Williams of the Williamson Herald joining us here on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. He's presented by the Williamson Herald. Um, thank you for the extra segment and the knowledge, Mr.
1: Williams. Uh, gentlemen, thank you. I'm, I'm sorry I drugged this out too long. No, a you, long are, time ago.
2: you are just fine, man. We appreciate it, and we will catch up with you.
1: All right. Y'all right, hey, y'all. Y'all be careful on the ball fields, man.
0: Hey, you do the same. We'll talk to you. Bye. All right, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Braves, Sounds, Preds, all that and more. It's also Top 5 Tuesday. We'll get to that a little bit later as well. So stick around on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bon Joint. We'll be right back in the Lee Company studio. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. about it's southern middle tennessee sports today once again with mo here's chris welcome back into the show southern middle tennessee sports today presented by mid-tennessee bone and joint coming to you live from the lee company studio here in columbia tennessee welcome to our friends at wzyx down in the wonderful world of Franklin County where I was on Friday last week. As I crossed over what lake is that? Tim's Ford Lake mm-hmm. uh onto Philip Fulmer Boulevard. That was a a unique situation. Did you um did you check out that um
2: barbecue spot that we went to?
0: No, I was I that mean, in Winchester or Tullahoma, I can't remember. I, I don't I think it was in Winchester. But I think uh, it uh I mean I got, we saw
2: that truck on fire.
0: <laughs> yes, the truck was on fire. Uh no, we uh we were well I got there about an hour and fifteen minutes before the wedding was set to start, so I had to <sighs> hustle and bustle <laughs> to get uh to get set up.
2: Nothing like giving yourself some time.
0: Well uh the ceremony site had had its own sound system, so I didn't have to do anything there. Uh, so once I got music playing there, I had about an hour to set up my other stuff, which is what I really need, so it worked out. Uh, speaking of our friends at WZYX, I want to tell you about Southern Middle Tennessee Outdoors. It's a uh, locally produced radio conversation with special guests involved in the outdoors. Uh, it's hosted by, of course, WZYX General Manager Al Clark and... He hangs out with uh, Tom Wiseman, a lifelong fisherman and camper, and uh, the chief engineer at ZYX. So that will air today at 1.0. Oh, I'm sorry, not today, Thursday at one o five. See, I think it's Thursday. You think it's Saturday. It's actually Tuesday. <laughs> it will air Thursday at one o five and 5.05 p.m. and Saturday at 7.05 a.m. So listen to it there. All right, we uh, – I guess we really got to talk about Jacob Webb and the situation that the Atlanta Braves are in with their bullpen because Max Freed goes out with cramps in his hand just hours after we find out that Waskari Noah uh, has a broken hand. hand.
2: You talk about bad to worse. It sucks being a Braves fan. Yeah. Meanwhile, (laughs) just came across a tweet. um here about an hour or so ago, I guess, Mets announced Kevin Pillar suffered multiple nasal fractures and will be meeting with a facial specialist in Atlanta to determine next steps.
0: Hmm. That's unfortunate. And it's just, it's, we've seen this happen before. I mean, Dan, Dan's been hit in the face. Uh, Jay Hay got hit in the face. You know. Well, and it, you know, we had one Brazelton
2: on Mm -hmm. last week to talk about pitching up and in and the adverse effects of it. And he texted me like moments after that. He said, did you see that? I said, I didn't see it, but I was listening. And we went on. And someone on this same tweet about Pilar says, it's ridiculous how often this happens now because baseball only wants guys who throw 95 plus and who gives a damn if they know where it's going. That's
0: 100% true.
2: goes back to, you know, to what we discussed, to that Ken Rosenthal article on The Athletic last week. You know, we got velo, we got no command, and we got folks getting hit and getting hurt badly in some cases. And as long as the infatuation is with the radar gun, it's going to continue. Yep that yeah. is and and an issue. you know you you got you got stars getting hurt not not just you know Kevin Pillar, who's been with the Blue Jays with the Giants I mean Bryce Harper got hit in the face a couple of weeks ago fortunately it wasn't anything serious but you know is is it going to take some uh, if if Bryce Harper getting hit in the face doesn't have an impact on this then who's it got to be for somebody to take note evidently though there's or, or, or is it just the game
3: the, the, there seems to be some ratio of success though with this type of approach otherwise they wouldn't be doing it I, and that's that's the part that i'm don't don't get me wrong i i'm i'm a big proponent of a pitcher versus a thrower I'd much rather have a pitcher with control and can pinpoint his spots than some guy can throw a hundred miles an hour. And we have no clue where it's headed. Uh, but evidently the fact that, that they keep pumping these guys up or bringing these guys up and they keep pumping these guys out. Evidently there's some kind of success ratio against, uh, against hitters that, uh, that keeps this moving in that direction. In that direction. I, you know, uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know the stats. I, you know, but it, you know, it's well, one thing I, mean, I have learned. If it doesn't work, they don't do it after a while.
2: Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess common sense is that harder is better. But if you don't know where it's going, yeah, it's I it's not know, necessarily don't know how better. That works. So. Yeah, it's not necessarily better. Uh, anyway, um, it'll be interesting to see when Jacob Webb pitches again. Uh, I wonder if the Braves will try to run him right back out there tonight because I've not seen the highlights. But you guys say that he was visibly yes. distraught. Nope, nope, yes, no, no question. Immediately after and long after. I saw something on Twitter last night about um, Rick Kranitz and Kevin Seitz are talking to him in the dugout for about 30 minutes, and I didn't really get all of they, that at the time that I saw it. They may need to get
3: him out there. just you know, It's kind of like the deal falling off a horse. Mm-hmm. You better get back on or you're – not going to get back on, and if they don't get him back out there and get his mind right. That's the thing.
0: You know, Webb's got good stuff. He's just erratic, and he's a head case, and he's been a head case. This is is not – this is only compounding his head case issues. Well, and,
2: I mean, I go back to the game against Philly where he got the comebacker with the bases loaded and threw up
0: and and away to the
2: plate. I mean, I and I tweeted then, I would just as soon not see this guy again in a
0: Braves uniform, it, and this doesn't help it any. Here's the thing: we've talked about Cranets and and the Braves pitching coaching staff. There, are, this is not the first guy that we've seen with head issues, and they can't deal with it. We know this. There is there there is evidence historically that they cannot deal with pitchers with head issues. That's why Mike fulton is in not Texas. is in Texas and not in Atlanta. That's the bottom line. This guy's got to go. Kranitz needs to go. And he would be my first fire. And that's I, I look. I'm not I I don't love
2: firing people, firing people. Having been fired.
0: Well, just because I <laughs> I mean it's it's so frustrating though when you're sitting here te- you're telling me that you can't get things Worked out in our bullpen, and then Cole Hamels comes in, and, and gets things worked gets out. things worked out. I don't understand why we've got pitching coaches. And actually, I do understand why. The bottom line is that there is a historical good old boys aspect of the Atlanta Braves organization, and unfortunately. It's very incestuous, and that doesn't always work with sports teams, whether it be at the high school level or the collegiate level or the professional level, and we've seen it at all levels, even locally. I I just think at some point when you've got
2: the talent that you think you have and you continue to watch it, not
0: reach its potential,
2: not succeed to the level that it is perceived to be at. Then it becomes a case of, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different yeah. result.
0: Is and
2: it, it's easier to get rid of the pitching coach than it is to get rid of the pitching staff. Now, is, is it the perception of the talent or yeah, is it the talent? I, I think it's. I think we have talent. I think it's both. I think and and we've. I talked about this previously. I think that there are better options. Maybe not in the Braves organization. Maybe in the Braves organization. I think there are better options for that bullpen than what we've seen. I put a lot of this at the feet of Alex Anthopoulos. I think Snitker's hands are tied. I mean, this is what we've got. And I'm trying to make chicken salad out of something else.
0: But, you know, to some degree also, what is Kranitz doing? Develop your talent. We've done nothing but draft pitchers outside of Shane Langlier's for the last three years. We get to see one of those tonight. If you're going to be watching the Braves. You won't be listening to them here, though. You won't be listening to them. I also won't be watching them as long as the rain stays away. Yeah. Um,
2: Braves continue their series against the Mets at Truist Park tonight. Um, Braves come in at 19-22 and 22 following last night's 3-1 to one loss. The Mets are at 19-16. and Mets starter for tonight is still to be determined. The Braves starter for tonight will be Tucker Davidson making his Major League debut. Um six twenty first pitch, and as I said, this game will not be carried on our sister station, WKRM 103.7 FM, because Columbia American Little League, as it always is on Tuesday night, will be there starting at 6 with the Golden Tones of Lewis Maddox. So but yeah, um, pitching is struggling, bullpen is struggling, offense is struggling and yet we're other
0: than that we're doing all right. Yeah, yeah. Well, tonight <laughs> other than we that, get <laughs> three, gun, three games under 500. Tonight we get a bullpen game against the Mets. So they're going to throw everything they got at us. Be a good night to get some confidence and get back on track hitting the baseball. Cuz god knows
2: pitching the baseball has not been a strength of late. Other
0: than and, I mean Max Max had a great start last Max night. Max yeah. Fried had a
2: fantastic start last night. I think that's And was visibly upset apparently over being pulled out of the game, maybe because he knew who was coming in behind him. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean And and I think he yeah. took that loss.
3: Yes. It was it was counted against him because there there was a runner on base when he was And left. he scored.
2: Yeah. So they they scored two runs in that inning, so yeah. I think free took the loss,
0: and that's an that's unfortunate. he gave up yeah.
2: a double, I think with one out in the seventh, and then Webb came in loaded, gave him. up another double, went on yeah. to load him, hits Pilar to walk to um four center a run and
3: well, they interviewed him when they interviewed him after the game, he mentioned that he understood why he said I just wanted to. He said, I created that issue, I wanted to get out of it, and I thought I could, in a sense. It wasn't exactly his wording, but that was, that was his the, – the, the tone I got from the interview was, I thought I could finish this, and then, you know, yeah.
2: And whatever he would have been would not have been any, any worse, worse yeah. than what
3: happened. He said, but they were, they were so worried about him doing something to his hand or his arm, compensating for his hand cramping or something like that. So, um, yeah.
2: You know, it's a fine line protecting those young arms. And so, um, (laughs) discussing young arms, this day in Braves history on May 18th, 2004, at the age of 40,
0: Hmm.
2: not a young arm, Southpaw Randy Johnson becomes the oldest pitcher to throw a perfect game when the Diamondbacks beat the Braves 2-0. I was watching that game. I was not happy. The big unit joins Cy Young, Jim Bunning, Hideo Nomo, and Nolan Ryan as the only hurlers to throw no-hitters in both the National and the American League, and creates the longest span between no-nos, having first accomplished the feat against the Tigers in June of 1990. So, nearly 14 years there. Johnson struck out 13 Braves on that day. I think he got everybody at least once, and... It's a little easier to understand what he did when you listen to this starting lineup that they ran out there. Leading off and playing shortstop, Jesse Garcia. Who? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Julio Franco at first base. We've discussed him on this show. wonder who was older. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Chipper Jones batting third, playing left. Andrew Jones batting cleanup and playing center field. Johnny Estrada, former D-back. Johnny Estrada catching. J.D. Drew in right. Mm. Mark DeRosa at third base.
0: Every time you say the name J.D. Drew, I just want to throw things. Nick Green batting eighth and playing
2: second base. And the pitcher, Mike Hampton. And if you look up this game on Wikipedia, there's a note here says, the play that came closest to being a hit was Mike Hampton's second at bat in the sixth inning when a chopper dribbling left of the second base, second base bag, I hate that phrase, of second base resulted in Alex Centrone performing a do-or-die running grab and throw to the first baseman Shea Hillenbrand for the out. So, your pitcher came the closest to breaking up the perfect game. Hampton... Went the distance in that game, by the way, giving up two earned runs on eight hits, striking out five. So,
0: it's a good day.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's good. And, and the, the other guy threw yeah. the perfect game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's a tough one right there. That's this day in Braves history. Um, finally, before we get out of here, sounds in Gwinnett tonight. If you want to watch, if you want to watch Tucker Davidson, you can. If you want to watch any even younger arms down in, uh, I hate this for Gwinnett because I bet he was probably supposed to pitch at some point this weekend. Now, he's in, oh, without question, and now yeah. he's in Atlanta. Now he's in Atlanta, he's in And they're going, oh, crap, what do we do? Yeah. So, anyway, uh, they'll play tonight at 635 at First Horizon Park. Uh, come join me. I'll be there. Uh, Preds lose 5-2 last night. It was atrocious third period. That's all I'm going to say. The, 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 the Preds have the worst power play in the league. And, and have for a long time. And – Clearly have zero uh, intention of fixing it. So there you go. Game two on Wednesday in Raleigh. When we come back, it's top five Tuesday. Defunct or dormant college football rivalries. Stick around less other Middle Tennessee Sports Day presented by mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Middle Tennessee Sports Today, the sports talk show you've always wanted. Welcome back into the show. This Tuesday morning edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, despite what me and Mo think. Not, not Thursday. Not, not Saturday, Saturday. Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, it's been a. <laughs> it's been a morning. It's been a morning all morning long. Ah. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with us here in the Lee Company studio. We've got the Top 5 Tuesday coming up, presented by Dallas Steel and Mid-South 5 Fitness, who we have talked to last week and will probably see and talk to a little bit next week. Maybe not on the show, but certainly on sm-t and where you can find all the local high school uh, sports coverage in in southern middle Tennessee.
2: We should definitely be running into him. He'll have three folks at the large class state track and field championships right. over at Rockvale. So looking forward to that.
0: So plenty of uh plenty of time to talk to Thallis steel and if you want to be uh, trained by Mid South Five Fitness, he's got two locations, one in Franklin, one in Columbia. Check him out on Facebook and on Instagram, Steel Athletes S T E E L. Athletes and stillathletes.com. All right. Now, it is the top five dormant college football rivalries. Now, we do not have any set parameters here. It's just if they are generally accepted, they're not playing these games on a yearly basis at this point. Uh, most of mine will be at least 10 years dormant. So, there's that.
2: See, that call for research. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well... <laughs>
2: If, I feel like probably mine have not played for at least 10 years, but I can't tell you that with all certainty. Say, yeah. So, here we go. All right. All
3: right. I, have an, I do have an honorable mention. You got an honorable mention. Yes. What's That's that? The Cincinnati and Louisville keg of nails game. Whoever won this was supposed to be tough as nails in that. And they played it for uh, – quite some time not playing anymore because of conference of course a lot of these are being not being played anymore because of conference realignment
2: right right
0: they've not played since 2013 between 1929 yeah. and 2013 there were 53 meetings between the two teams oh look at you okay well, you, they, got,
2: you got some references over I do. there yeah all right all right cool um what's your number 5 mike my number
3: 5 is Kansas and Missouri the border war One that actually goes back to the Civil War. (laughs) But uh, those two teams do not like each other. And Growing up in Oklahoma, we'd hear an awful lot about it.
2: (laughs) My number five won't be on either of y'all's lists. Um, Middle Tennessee State and Tennessee Tech. Long time Ohio Valley Conference rivalry ended basically when MTSU went to FBS status and probably should have ended, but that was that was always fun. Anything, Anytime those two got together in anything, you never knew what to expect. Just YouTube some basketball.
0: There you go. Uh, uh, also, one that neither of you will have is Jacksonville State and Samford. Uh, <laughs> those two haven't played since 2013 either and probably because we whip their tail every time we play them. <laughs> number four. <laughs> hey, number no, four no for trash, trash
2: talk.
3: Uh, uh, it comes back to my, you know, again, growing up in Oklahoma, we didn't hear too much about the east side rivals, east coast rivalries and stuff like that. But we sure heard a lot about Texas and Texas A&M. The battle for the heart of Texas.
2: My number four is the border war. Kansas, Missouri. I just think that was a fun matchup between two programs that didn't always have a great deal of success, but right. they, it was
0: highly competitive. Yeah. Correct. So, I was actually going Texas A&M, Texas, but also as a 4A and 4B. It's te- TCU and Texas A&M who met 92 times between 1897 and 2001, and they have not played in 20 years. So TCU and Texas A and M, uh, along with Texas A and M Texas.
3: Okay, number, number three. three, number three, Auburn Georgia Tech. Again, uh, the two, the, the what I call the two techie schools, the two agriculture and mechanical colleges, get together and uh, don't like each other much. Uh, living in Alabama for about five years, got to hear a little bit about that.
2: My number three is. Um, an old Metro Conference matchup. Obviously, the Metro Conference didn't play football. But Louisville and Memphis, again, when those two got together in, in basketball, it was always something special, and I, I think the football was pretty similar. So, that that would be my number three.
0: My number three is actually Auburn-Georgia Tech. I thought it was, a, it was always a, a lot of fun to watch, and – before Auburn got really good, and even in the early '90s when Georgia Tech was good, and then Auburn was was kind of coming up with Pat Dye and Terry Bowden, that was that that really got to be a, a really fun rivalry there in the early '90s. So yeah, Auburn Georgia Tech was my number three. Number, number two.
3: two, again, uh, the old Southwest Conference rivalry, Texas and Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas always figured out a way to play Texas right after they played OU. But, uh, well, uh, but it was, uh, again, a, a rivalry that, uh, Texas usually held the upper hand with it most of the time, but Arkansas would have those about every four or five years would, would sneak up and really make a big, big show of it.
2: My number two is a backyard brawl Pitt in West Virginia. I, I don't know why, but I always managed to be close to a TV when those two played and, and you know the distance between Pitt and Morgan, uh, Pittsburgh and Morgantown, I and mean, really made it a a intimate kind of thing. And you know, obviously, I don't live in Pittsburgh or Morgantown, but it. I was just always fascinated by those Don Nealon teams in particular, and um, I I thought that was a fun rivalry.
0: So my number two is Memphis and Southern Miss. And I miss that because – and and kind of Memphis UAB too. Mm-hmm. It, but Memphis leaving the Conference USA really just destroyed a lot of great rivalries. So Memphis and Conference USA, let's just put it that way. But, <laughs> Memphis but, versus everybody. Huh? But mainly that Southern Miss and UAB rivalries. Birmingham and Memphis have always had mm-hmm. a semi-rivalry between whether it be – pro teams or college teams it's always just kind of been there so that that's always been fun uh so that would be my number two
3: number, number, one. number one and I'm, I'm amazed this game still is hasn't been played in quite some time again conference realignments and stuff ou nebraska uh, growing up in oklahoma that was there were two games that you that you set your you know, you set your calendar by you, – you literally set your calendar by no weddings, no – was OU Texas, and they're still playing that game, and then OU Nebraska around Thanksgiving.
2: I don't uh, think Nebraska wants any part of Oklahoma not, these days. Not now, no. Um, my number one – and I was shocked that you guys had it as low as you did. Texas and Texas A&M. Uh, and – I mean, especially now, with, with both those programs being where they were, I, I, I think everybody would love to see them get back on the field again. So, that's.
0: Sure. Um, all right, so this is going to be weird. Okay. This is going to be a weird one. <sighs> Shocking. <laughs> the Turkey Day Classic between Tuskegee and Alabama State. They've not played – Tuskegee and Alabama State have not played since 2012. The Turkey Day Classic still exists with Alabama State, but they play different people now. And Tuskegee and Alabama State, when they played the Turkey Day Classic, it was must see TV. And why private. are they no longer playing it? I don't. I, I guess because Alabama State and Tuskegee, there. I'm not even sure if Tuskegee's even playing uh, FCS. Or, they're not. They're D
2: two. I believe. So that may be
0: yeah. why. I, I don't. So. <laughs> it's just unfortunate because that yeah. Texas. That that Tuskegee Alabama State game was always awesome in Montgomery on the Turkey Day Classic. So sad maybe that's that why because they were always playing in Montgomery. Tuskegee wanted yep. it on their
2: campus. Maybe.
0: Yeah. Maybe. Hmm. All right. We got to get out of here. Thanks for hanging out with us. That was Top Five Tuesday brought to you by Mid South Five Fitness. Hope you guys have ha- had a great day. We appreciate you hanging out with us on WZYX to be KOM Facebook Twitter. And more. If you missed any of the part of today's show, sm-tnsports.com. Check out the podcast tab. It will all be there. We appreciate it for Coach Mike and Mo Patton. I'm Chris Yao Saying, Have a great day and stay cool, Columbia.